Hey, it's 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 episode four. Look episode at four. We made it. Yeah, we're still here. Looks and, like uh, we made it. Yeah, and uh, I, I feel like we should, you know, probably introduce ourselves each each time at least. That like, hey, I'm Ollie, and you're Scott, and you know. Yeah, we could do that. Science in between, right? This is what we do on the. This is what we do on this podcast. This is what we do on this podcast is we talk yeah. about uh, science and science education and yeah. in this wild world of, you know, sometimes face-to-face, sometimes online, remotes, whatever schools are using, you know, to mm-hmm. discuss their, to describe their teaching right now and, the, and, and how this is posing real challenges for science teachers and for, you know, both at the K-12 to level and also in higher ed. And so I think yeah. our work spans all that stuff. So... Uh, we decided that a- after listening to last week's episode, we still have a lot of stuff to talk about with grouping, especially online in these synchronous sort of um, spaces like Zoom or Google Meet or whatever, right? Um, right. And since since we last met, you you did this professional development, this week long or four day long professional development. Four day long, yeah. Right. Online professional development for science teachers, which is it sounds pretty awesome. You know, that sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, well, you know, of course we thought it was awesome. But, <laughs> of course uh, you did. <laughs> the teachers, like, yeah, um, yeah. So, so we have uh, I have a National Science Foundation project that's focused on um, some tools and curriculum around helping kids understand natural hazards. Um, and we had a professional development plan for this summer that was going to be five days here, face to face in beautiful State College, Pennsylvania. They were going to. You know, get to stay in a hotel and wander around the sprawling metropolis that is State College, mm, and yes. and uh, I know it well. Know, I know it exactly. well. Exactly, you do indeed. Happy um, Valley. Happy Valley. So, uh, but of course, you know that none of that happened. So we had to boot back to. Um, so we went from five full days to four half days. Um, mostly because of time zone. I mean, though, having done this now, we were talking a little bit before the show about this, but having done this now, I can't even imagine what it would have been like to do more than four hours a day. Like right. it, it was, um, particularly in the beginning, it was the most exhausting experience I've had doing professional. And, you know, usually professional development is sort of like teaching for me. I love it. I get a lot of energy from it, but and this was pretty good, but man, by the end of that first day, I just was a puddle. It was, it, you know, so we can talk about that more. And, and um, so specifically I mean, with grouping, like, let's, let's, let's unpack yeah. that a little bit. Like, how did you, how did you group your students? Um, not your, your, prof- your teachers, the, yeah, the my participants. Well, yeah, yeah. My participants. Yeah. Right. So we, um, yeah. So we talked a little bit about this last time about, um, just mechan- the mechanics of it. So we did actually build out a CSV file. So um, so Zoom lets you upload a CSV file, which we talked about last time is sort of a-, a did, you, did you Google it? Did you find out what CSV uh, stands for? Oh. I'm gonna do it right now. CSV file format stands for- the, Is it C uh, for comma? Maybe comma? I don't know. Comma separated value. Oh, look at that. Took a stab in the dark. So, uh, so these comma separated value tables um, let you put like pre-populate the groups. So we had, um, you know, I'm I'm spoiled. We had 
four anchor facilitators. So we had four of oh, us awesome. that were doing the breakout groups. And so we were able to organize groups in this file based on name, the name of the, you know, the anchor facilitator. And then we did the initial grouping. We had different categories. So we did regional grouping. So we had a big group of teachers from California. We had a pretty big contingent from sort of um, the middle of the country, including a lot of Coloradans. Um, then we had a bunch of Floridians and then we had the rest was sort of Midwest and Eastern. And that, uh, that also is a reflection of the focus of the curricula. So there's a wildfire one um, and there's a hurricanes uh, uh, model. So obviously hurricanes, you're gonna get a lot of people like Floridians who are really interested in that. Sure. And the wildfires, you get a lot of the Californians. And um, so, so yeah, it was, and Coloradans uh, interested in wildfires too. They've, they've had some serious wildfires there. Um, so yeah, so we, we grouped them regionally for part of it. And then the other way we grouped them is, uh, we grouped them, uh, by anticipated teaching mode in fall. So we had some great breakout sessions where we were specifically talking about, um, developing pedagogical practices across different models of teaching. So we, you know, face-to-face -face, hybrid, um, synchronous remote and asynchronous online. Um, and so we broke them out on the, based on their anticipated model. Um, we had different groupings that way. So, um, so we mixed those groups around from, from activity to activity. And then as we talked about last time, another thing that we found incredibly valuable and coordinating, it took a little bit of time, but we, we got that down too, was putting people in roles and giving them clear roles. Like sure. you're the, you're the coordinator or the manager, the connector, the recorder and the reporter. Those were the four we used. Um, and we had, how, a, how did they respond to that? Like, did they appreciate that structure? Cause that's one of the things we talked about with, with online learning is that whole, not to dig this back up, but that whole transactional distance stuff, which, uh, when you talk about, um, moving online, when you add this distance, whether it's actual physical distance or, or cyber distance, right. Between, uh, an instructor or a teacher and their students that what we have to do is make up with that, make up that distance through communication or increased structure. And so how did they respond? Did they appreciate that? Yeah, they, I mean, I think so. They, um, you know, the, initially we had them in the first activity, we told them their roles as part of the sort of setup for the activity. Um, and then after that, we wanted them to switch roles, but it became that sort of game of like, oh, no, don't pick me. I, want, I don't want to be the reporter or, I'm, right. you know, I, I've got, so, um, so what we did was we actually, we're using Google Classroom as our platform and we built a Google spreadsheet um, or a Google sheet uh, that had all of the activities for the entire professional development where there would be breakout groups. And then we had the roles assigned for each person. Oh, cool. So before each group, you could say, just go check the spreadsheet. You'll find out what your role is for this activity. And, um, and that worked really well. And then the facilitators just had to remind people when we went into small groups, Hey, just go to the spreadsheet, check out what role you are. If you, and we had the, the, in the spreadsheet at the bottom, we explain what each role it was. Again, you know, if you're the manager, you have to do this. If you're a connector, you do this. So yeah, it was. I thought I thought that worked reasonably well. Um, and that so, you know, in fairness, though, they are teachers. So you know, if you're doing that with right. kids, I think it would take a lot more scaffolding for them to to learn those roles and do them well. 
And this is something they've opted into, and this is something that's grant supported. So they're probably getting some sort of, you know, either honorarium for and, you know, something, yep. right? And so yep. their, their motivation is going to be a little different than the motivation of like, a, I don't know, a third grader who is participating in a, a you know, a Zoom call or something. Absolutely. One of, one of the things I will say is um, through our, our, after our conversation last week, some of the things I was thinking about that we hadn't talked about was, you know, just the, some of the, the techno aspects, aspects of just whether we put students on camera or not, whether we have them just be, you know, cause we, I think there's that uh, one, let's talk about it from, you know, uh, just the, you know, visual aspects and what that does for social communication. Cause I think that helps support it. Right. When you actually see somebody you um, and we're now this is assuming um, again, and this is a, a huge assumption that uh, that there isn't a student with a visual impairment or there isn't a student with a, an audio impairment that so those 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 sorts of things. I mean, I know those are big, big assumptions, but mm -hmm. um, but that's a starting point for us to talk about. Let's let's say that, um, you know, this will would help with some of that face to face communication. But in the same sense, there brings up a whole host of issues in terms of FERPA, in terms of IEPs, in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of mandate, mandated reporter, like, you know, if I'm a, right. if I'm a and teacher. And just equity in general. Right? Equity in general. Equity, yeah. And so while I think that there's, it's what the tool can afford that, you know, that's one of the things we talk about. It's like, oh, look at mm. what the tool can afford. It can afford this sort of face-to-face the -face communication, these breakout groups and, and things. Um, but then the other part is that you have to be mindful of, you know, all of these other things that come with that, all these other considerations that we really didn't address last week in, in episode three, but I think those are, that are critical to discuss. Um, you know, w one of the things that uh, our, our institution is talking a lot about is, you know, uh, whether you're recording, if you, if you as an instructor are choosing to record uh, a Zoom session or record something that students are in, there are, our institution is saying not to have students on camera. Um, mm -hmm. Just from the nature of the fact that, um, you know, in FERPA, they talk about educational records and the educational record, like a student image or student name, those are things that can be, um, they're, they're student records. And so mm -hmm. if that is out there as a recording or that somebody can, can take and share really easily, then there, um, there can be some violations from a FERPA standpoint. And at least that's the standpoint that um, our institution is taking. And I don't know if that's like a pretty rigid uh, interpretation of FERPA or not, but w the recommendation is not to have the students on the camera if you're recording. Um, and Yeah, I mean, I, I wonder how that stuff is gonna evolve over time though, right? Because it seems like, um, you know, any kind of record that we currently have, you can argue is just as accessible through the internet. If it's stored Absolutely. on a server somewhere, it's stored on a server. And so recording, I mean, I realize that recording has a different, especially if there's a camera on, has a different level of personal uh, intrusion or access. But I do wonder if those guidelines are gonna have to shift as we move into these increasingly online environments. And we, and we need those recordings for pedagogical purposes. And so you're gonna to have to say, well, look, if we don't record, we have a serious problem. So we gotta figure out how to manage that. Right. And, and then I think that the, the challenge with that is that we, if it's just us on camera as teachers, then it, we fall into sort of that transmission mode rather than the collaborative. And, and that's mm -hmm. you know whole topic of, of grouping is that we want to be able to, that social meaning making is critical, right? It's critical mm -hmm. to, especially in science. But I think this is just one more example of 
the of technology advancing quicker than the law does mm -hmm. right i yep. mean we have yep. all of these things and this is i mean this has happened time and time again where you know and i think it's accelerated in the last i don't know sure. 5 6 months because of all of our you know very quick move to remote instruction where you know you know a year ago uh, this was done by you know millions of students, but not by hundreds of millions of students, right? Mm -hmm. And and so we've had this this huge shift, this huge acceleration. And I think that the the law we're going to see that happening. This is one of my predictions, bold prediction, a bold prediction. Bold here. prediction for Molly. Yeah, right here is that we're going to see this stuff shake out in terms of the law in the next six eight months. That you're going to see a lot of court cases who, that are going to decide. Um, how this how this plays off, and then we'll as uh, as educators react to that, and that new policy mm -hmm. will be set, um, because there are some students whose needs are not being met, or their students are, because it comes back to that equity issue, and that's one of the things that yeah. I know, you know, I, I I I I believe in my heart that teachers themselves are trying to create the most equitable situations with the the technology they have. It's just that um, there there's so there's still limits, right? There's still limits of what they can do. And um, so I know that our local district is is doing instruction um, this fall with, uh, you know, all of the, you know, some of the students are going to be attending half days, you know, you know, half, half week, and then other students are going to attend every day um, based on their needs. So um, a student who might be, you know, might be attending Mondays and Wednesdays, other students will be Tuesdays and Thursdays, and other students are gonna to attend to every day if they feel that the, this remote instruction isn't you know, meeting their needs. And we have some mm. students who fall into that. And so I think that's, a, that's a interesting. We'll see how that plays out, right? We'll see what mm -hmm. that looks like. I, I think we'll, again, we'll have a better idea of uh, who hit the mark uh, a year from now. But right now, everyone's just kind of doing their thing. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I think it's going to take less than a year, but yeah, it's definitely, we're going to see how it goes. I mean, one of the things that was striking to me um, talking with teachers uh, in this PD is, well, one, how much anxiety and fear there is about going back to the classroom. Um, and also the huge range of preparations that teachers are having to do for this. I mean, one teacher from Colorado was talking about She's going to have to teach every day in a mask with a face shield. Um, she is going to teach in scrubs so she can come home at night and just throw her clothes in the, in the washing machine and get right in the shower. Um, you know, it's, it, they're, they're going to have their temperature taken every day. Um, you know, it's, it, it's, um, you know, and, and that's all to, in theory, make you feel better about doing this, but, but it's, it's clearly scaring the hell out of people um, Absolutely. To, to do that. And, and, you know, that going back to the grouping and, and some of these other uh, issues related to that, I mean, the equity pieces came up multiple times in multiple ways. I mean, the, the IEPs and student, the students with special needs of any kind, like that, I think, is a can of worms that school districts just do not know how to deal with at this point, right? Like they, because one of the problems, and I think we've touched on this, is as you move from a face-to-face -face environment to any different kind of remote environment, who needs supports shifts, right? It's like any other pedagogical change. Um, suddenly one group of kids is much more able to access things right. and, and a different group of kids suddenly doesn't have access. And so you have to say, well, wait a minute, how do we rethink the whole system? Like how, how do we, how do we re recognize that kids who were classified as special needs may no longer be and kids who were, were not classified. Now we have to figure out new ways of understanding what, what needs they have. 
yeah, so it's a crazy new world in that respect. Absolutely. Yeah, and and I don't know if we have we had we don't have the answers. Well, we don't have any answers, right? We just no, no. yeah, no. That's not our job. We're not no. answer guys. We're question guys. Yeah. yeah, I I think you know when I when I talk to my uh, special ed colleagues, my my colleagues who work in special education on on campus, that they're, they're fond of saying when you've worked with one special ed student, you've worked with one special ed student, and so <laughs> yeah, you know there right. are you know. Uh, practices and strategies that work from student to student, but a lot of it is just finding out what works with that individual student and then, you know, building on that. And mm-hmm. th- that is, that's, it's harder to do whenever all of the, you know, the communication and interactions are um, mediated via, you know, some technology. Yeah. And, and, that, and that brings up this issue that, uh, of co-teaching and um, oh, absolutely. like, how, how do you think about is an instructional leader in your classroom? If you've got an aide or a paraprofessional or a special education person who's in working with you, um, how do you do that? And and I'll talk a little bit about one of the struggles we had in the in the PD. So um, we had a we had a really quite a big team. So we had seven members of the team that that were doing various parts and pieces of what was going on. That's the, uh, the, the best professional development that taxpayer money can buy right there. That's Look at right. That. Exactly. Look at you. Bravo. Yeah. Bravo. Thanks. Um, so, um, so the, but the downside to that was um, on Monday, I, I was saying by the end of the day, I was just exhausted. And one, one of the things that stressed me out the most and was the most exhausting was trying to coordinate that group of people. So, I mean, again, you and I are sort of tech nerds. So I'm, I always think about like, I wanna reduce the number of platforms or interfaces or windows or whatever, like, you know, Merlin Mann uh, would talk about inboxes, right? Like, I don't, want, I don't want lots of different channels to get to me because then I'm trying to move around and figure out like, wait a minute, I'm trying to communicate with Ali while he's doing the facilitation, what should I be doing to do that? And so we really, like the first day, we, we tried something that did not work, which was um, we, we said, well, most of the work that we're background work we're doing is built in Google Classroom and Google Docs. So let's have a Google Doc that is open for all the facilitators. And whenever we have comments or questions or things that's just to be shared by the group, we'll put them in there. There's a chat in there. We're going to use that as our back channel. Um, and it was a disaster. It did not work at all. People didn't look at it because it was probably amongst a whole bunch of other tabs in a, a whole bunch of other Google Docs. Um, and by day two, what we've done is switch to a, a text channel, right? So we had we just had iMessage open and we were using a group text. And that once we transitioned to that, it was fine um, and everything was good. Um, but you know, was not something that we knew in advance. And we didn't really understand the challenges we would have to face right away. But, but I think one of the things that brings up is when you're in small groups, and you're doing some sort of co-facilitation, you, you need some back channel, because Zoom is terrible for that. Like, once you're in a group, you're, you're like in a black box on another planet, like the only way to communicate in or out of that, the, the host can broadcast out to all the groups, like you've got 10 minutes left. But the people in the groups can't respond. They can't say, hey, we need more time. Like the, the facilitator, the host has to go into those rooms. And, and if I'm in a room and you're the and, host and, and I you're can't, not in another room, right? 
Right. And I can't communicate back to you. So I can't right. even as the facilitator in that small group breakout, even if I'm a co-host, I can't say, hey, tell Ollie, you know, I'm going to chat Ollie up and tell him we only need two more minutes. So that was very, very stressful. Well, you figured it out, right? And that's, not, that's, that, but yeah, but yeah. we, we figured it out, but it's like, right. after a know, lot of stress, right? Right. It, you know, after, after a lot of anxiety and stress and, and, you know, what that meant was that the first day um, felt to us like it didn't go as well as we would have liked. Right. And, and, you know, as teachers, I think we, we always are frustrated when we have a vision for how something's going to happen and it doesn't go that way. Right. And so that just added a layer of stress to the whole thing. Yeah. I want to come back to kind of cycle back to what you're talking about in terms of, you know, the, your, your first day, right. Where you talked a little about how you were, you know, curled up in a ball at the end of the day because you had spent, you know, I, I, I think this was before the show, right. So before the yeah. show, you were talking about uh, how the first day of your professional development, you as the, as the instructor had done some planning and then you also had done some, some teaching and then some planning and some wrap up after and then, mm-hmm. you know, through that whole day, you had probably spent, you know, I don't know, eight and a half, nine hours on Zoom interacting with people and with uh, some of the participants. And one of the things I, I've been, I've seen pop up in a bunch of places, and I'm trying to track down the, the actual um, citation. And it looks like it's coming from the Illinois uh, State Board of Education. And I'm looking, I'm trying to pull it up and it's, it's not coming up. It's, it talks about the recommended lengths for remote learning for students. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I... Uh, I'll, it, it came up in my Facebook feed and I'm trying to, uh, personally trying to pull it up and, and right now it's, I get the spinning wheel of death. Um, yeah. but the, the recommended, uh, they have, the way it's listed is that it's a, uh, as a minimum, uh, maximum and recommended length mm-hmm. of sustained attention for remote learning. And they have a big grade levels and grade level bands. Um, and I don't know yeah. where this comes from. It could have been just like, you know, a couple, you know, a couple people sitting in a room just coming up, but yeah. it is, it is all over the place. And I, yeah. I want to fact check it, but, um, but I, I, but I think it has some value, right. In terms of, you know, being intentional with, um, so for, for instance, when you're in the upper grades, so like the six to eight band, that middle level band, they're saying maximum for a class, 30 minutes for a day, 180 minutes. So that's, I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable in terms of, uh, that, that secondary nine through 12 band. Um, they're saying 45 minutes per class, uh, 270 minutes per day. That's on the maximum level. And they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, what they would recommend is, you know, maybe doing a subject or a class per day. Um, but then they go to the, the lower grades, like a kindergarten or pre-K, they're saying less than 90 minutes per day um, as yeah. a maximum. Um, so it's, it's good. At least there's some, you know, and we, we'll put this in the show notes uh, when we get to once that. Once we point, have right? show notes. Yeah. Once we have show notes. Uh, we're building this plane in flight. Um, yeah. Yeah, but, um, and I will definitely track down the citations for that, but it, it definitely comes, uh, says that there is sort of a level of int- attention that we all have, whether, you know, we're, you know, a uh, couple older guys who are sitting on Zoom or, you know, younger folks who are working in, you know, remote learning, there's, there's definitely a, a limit to that. And we're still figuring out what that is. And I, I think a state coming out and, and giving some sort of recommended guidelines is better you know, it'd be awesome if they're evidence-based. We'll look into that to see what the, what, what the evidence base they're drawing upon. But right. at least they're providing some guidance rather than it just being the Wild West where people are just like doing whatever they want, right? 
You know, yeah. I, I would be mortified if we had a kindergarten student who was spending seven hours a day, you know, in Zoom, right? Without, right. yeah, that'd be, that's not the, that's not good use of technology. No, well, and, it's, time. and it, it's unfeasible, right? I mean, because right. we, as we know, the younger kids, like they need an adult there with them all that time. Yeah, so you, you, that's, I think, the trick that we're dealing with. But yeah, I, I think um, whatever evidence that's based on, it's not based on the current reality, right? So, no. so at best, those numbers are based on kids who, who um, moved into an online or remote environment because they wanted to be there, right? That's where they, you would get data about that. So moving every kid in the whole school into that environment and then trying to gauge what, it, what their attention spans are going to be. And I mean, I'll say for myself, right? And, and I'm sure for the teachers that I worked with this week, it is very difficult to sit in front of your computer and not be distracted by stuff because you've got tons of windows open, right? And so, I mean, even, you know, you're, you're searching for the Illinois um, yeah. numbers while we're talking, right? And, and in a normal situation, you, you wouldn't do that or you'd have to like pull out your phone in front of me like normal situation. Sorry, I should be clear. If you and I are sitting in a room together having a conversation, like sure. you'd have to do something that's sort of socially awkward, though it's less socially awkward than it used to be, you know, to, which is to pull out your phone and say, oh yeah, sorry, you keep talking, Scott. I'm just going to look up some stuff on my phone. Yeah. And, but here, like you have no idea, like I could be playing, you know, my game from last, that I recommended from last week. Like if I'm, my, my hands are down here, you can't tell if I'm just like, oh yeah, Ollie, that's really good point. You know? So I think, I think this idea of like, how do we think about attention in this new environment, especially to your point about like group work and things like that. I mean, I think we're in a whole new world that like, yeah, I think it's great that states recommend things. I will say 270 minutes a day in Zoom, you are gonna, I don't care if that's high school age kids or whatever, like even 180 minutes a day, I, I'm, I can't even get my head around how, how ruined kids are going to be by this. If, if they're, you know, if they're even capable of keeping that kind of attention. So, well, just so to, just yeah. To clarify, just to clarify, this is a, this is a, the recommendations that they're spending on remote learning. So it doesn't necessarily mean that they're in zoom that whole time that they're, mm. you know, attending to some sort of remote learning. So yeah, yeah, that's, I mean, I'd like to hear how they're defining stuff, of course, because I'm yeah. an academic. So uh, as are you. Absolutely. So, so um, like if they, because when I say remote learning, I mean Zoom. Like sure. I don't mean the, the stuff that's happening outside, though there is stuff that's happening outside. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, uh, I don't know how you get schools to function well in any of the formats that are being proposed, right? So I will, well, that said, let's skip back to Hey, science teaching at a distance and grouping, because that's sure. what we're trying to talk about. That's yeah. Will, we, we we stray we stray a good bit, but we I, stray I think, a good bit. If you've made but, it to episode but, four, you you know that that's that happens. That that we stray. That um, we stray. Um, we stray. We stray. Um, so, but what I was going to say is one of the things that that came up that I think is a really nice suggestion to think about in science, in particular, is there you know one of the things we talked about in. Um, in this PD was how do you deal with labs? And we haven't gone into depth on that and hopefully yeah. we'll have an episode in the future on that. But one of the things that um, came up that I think is worth talking about in, in the context of grouping and some of these like 
wacky, you know, kids are in school Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Thursday, and the other groups, you know, Tuesday, Friday, and then Wednesday, they're all online or what, you know, all these things where there's different groups of kids that are face to face and different groups that are remote or online. Um, this idea of developing like shared notebooks, shared lab notebooks through a tool like Google, Google, um, you know, docs or some other sharing platform. Sure. Because this idea that like, okay, Ollie's in class today, so he's going to collect data. And then Scott's in class tomorrow and he's going to collect some more data, but all that data is flowing into one shared notebook between Ollie and I, and then oh, we're writing up our own. So I think this trying to be creative about thinking how you build continuity. Cause that, I mean, you know, back to way back in the first episode, we were talking about this, but this idea that we <laughs> think about science instruction as much more like a coherent interconnected big chunk of curriculum. And, you know, in this new environment, kids are separated. There's going to be a lot more absenteeism. There's going to be a lot more like in and out by kids. And so really thinking about how do you create continuity, both within groups and across the, the big um, classroom, I think is a really important piece for us. Yeah. That's a, that's a really interesting, you know, way to consider that because I think that way I'm hearing a lot of teachers talk about it is just focusing on this, the pod of students who are there, right? And treating them as a pod and treating the next group as a pod. So the Monday, Wednesday pod is different than the Tuesday, Thursday pod. But mm -hmm. your suggestion here is that, okay, well, we can create some cross pod communication, cross pod, you know, um, to provide some of that continuity, right? So that if yeah. there, if we start sort of a lab activity, not that you have to restart it on Tuesday, like with the, you do it with the Monday, Wednesday group and you start it there, not that you have to restart it with the Tuesday, Thursday group, but that some of the things, the practices or some of the, the data collection methods or things can, you know, transfer over so that mm. you can create a little bit more continuity then you know just constantly restarting things or just like you know okay this is what i did with the group yesterday or yeah it, i think that creates some really cool opportunities when you start to think about like how you can use technology to support you know cross pod i'm just making this up cross pod yeah. collaboration communication for you know that continuous storytelling yeah, and I think the other benefit that it gives you uh, for science is um, going back to these scientific practices, this idea that, you know, in science, more data is better. So you want more groups gathering data, you want more groups sharing data. So, you know, there have been, I think in the past when we were doing face-to-face -face things as science teachers, it would often be the case that we would aggregate data, say within a class or even over all the classes, right? right. So you'd have kids do that and use a tool like Google, but thinking of it now, not only as a way to enhance the data collection, but as a way to enhance the community because these groups are, are meant to be together, but they're not together. Um, I think it, it does do interesting, positive uh, work for us as science teachers. So I think that bit is cool. Yeah. So that, that, it ties to grouping because it's not just like how we break up the students in the groups, but how we have these groups of students that are coming and attending face-to-face -face or attending online and how we can actually support some communication across those groups. That's great. Right. That, did that come from a participant in your group or did that come from one of your facilitators? That came from me. Oh, look this, at you. In this instance. Yeah. Right now, know, right? like right now or, or before? No, no. In the, we were, I was talking with a group of teachers and we, they were asking, they were struggling with this. Like, well, what do we do about breaking up? You know, we've got kids coming in this day and kid, and how are we going to do labs now? We won't be able to do labs uh, because 
So yeah, so there you go. That's that's my value add for the whole PD is I drop that little nugget in there. And, yeah, and uh, you're like done. You're like, I'm done for yeah. the rest of the week. I'm, drop I'm the out, mic. Drop the mic. I'm just going to sit back here, curl up in a ball, that's listen right. on Zoom. And, and you could put a picture of it. No one would know, right? Yeah, that's just, right. Yeah, I put, I put a, a, like a looped video of myself yeah. saying like nodding my head. Yeah. So It'll be like uh, speed. So I have a, I have a question for you uh, related to this distraction that you were, you were brought up a few minutes ago about how, you know, I could have other things open and, you know, I was trying to, I still try to bring up this Illinois state thing, but, um, but one of the things that, um, that I know some teachers are doing with zoom is there some t- statistics that people that zoom will give you like in terms of their attention, right? Have you seen this? Like, have no. you seen Okay, so you could actually that sounds the, deeply creepy, but okay. it do, it is deeply cre- creepy, and so w- basically, what what Zoom is doing is behind the scenes is is looking at when when you have this screen, like the vi- the video screen, um, as the active main screen on where as you have all these other things open, as you click off, you know your your Zoom screen goes back, right? It goes back in like another screen is now the active screen. Sure. And, and this is how I'm assuming this works is that what they're doing is they're tracking how often somebody is, you know, often another screen versus in the, you know, having the Zoom screen as the active ones. And what's just funny is like, I heard that people were doing this. So I actually pulled up ones from that I had led, right? Things I, right. I had led with students. And I found that my attention rates were far lower than my students because there were things I had up for, right? That I yeah, was like, right. I think like that's my, the problem is right. those numbers don't mean what I, they say they mean. Exactly. Yeah. So I had like notes up or, or something in like a Google Slides or whatever. And I was just like talking through those and then, you know, having those just to kind of keep on track with the, with the students and things. And I saw my, it, it had my participation levels like really low in comparison to my, some of my students. And then you know, some of the students who it's like you could see that they're they're there but i mean they again may have some some other things open so i i personally it's one of those pieces where data is great but how you interpret it is 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 important too there it is there you, you pulled it up i pulled uh, it up yeah i was having trouble pulling that up that's the uh scott has pulled up the illinois state uh board of education uh recommended remote learning uh, and we will we'll put this in the show notes in case you're interested so i guess we're gonna unpack this right now live for- well I don't, I don't think we have to do that but i do think it's interesting to take a look at these i mean i, I don't know um let's see the amount of student. i'm looking for a citation i don't see one. Oh, i'm sure there's not a citation um this is not inclusive of great enrichment opportunities a threat this is good this is good radio us reading Right stuff. That's um, yeah. So it says the thresholds do not represent expectations of engagement with educational products or web-based platforms. I don't know what they do represent though. The thresholds in the table could be inclusive of project time that spans multiple days, independent work, or direct teacher engagement. So basically, this is how much work a day, Zoom or otherwise, you should give a kid at different grade levels. So for kindergarten, it's between 20 and 60 minutes a day with three to five minutes of sustained attention. And then by nine through 12, it's 100, well, 20 to 45 minutes per class with a total of 120 to 270, so six times, uh, six classes a day. And then the recommended length of sustained attention is one subject area or class, so 20 to 45 minutes of sustained attention. 
Um, I'm just going to call BS on that. But I mean, you can't get, I mean, you can't get 20 minutes of sustained attention out of high schoolers when they're sitting in the same room with you. And you're telling me that you're going to get 45 minutes of sustained attention from a group of high school kids when you're in a remote environment. I'm going to say, I, I can't get that from my colleagues who yeah. are, who are grown people. I mean, I guess in fairness, if you're talking about all work, no, they're saying sustained attention. Yeah, they are saying, saying one subject attention. area or class. Sure. But now maybe what they're saying is what they're saying that, okay, from nine to 12, there's 20 to 45 minutes for each class per day and a total of 120 minutes, but they, you can only expect them to focus on one class a day. Cause it, so you're, so they're going to yeah. be in six classes, but they only focus on one of them. That seems like a low rate of return, man. I yeah. gotta say that's uh, like 13%. But I've, I've seen this, right? a I screenshot of, of that table floating around a, a good bit amongst my, uh, my, Facebook and social media friends. It's been tweeted. It's been, yeah. so this is the Illinois State Board of Education re remote learning recommended lengths of time for a sustained attention. Yeah. So, and guaranteed, going back to your original point, guaranteed these were done by just a group of people in a room. Like there is no, you know, there, there, there is, there's no way that I can even imagine empirical basis for this. Oh, wait, let me, um, oh. Did you find more. something? Well, I just, I, th I found, I was just scrolling down and I saw this. Suggestions for additional activities. Mind, body, spirit, environment, no, and family. It's, it's not spirit. It's spread. It's spread. Oh, typo. <laughs> Excuse me. Spread. I don't know what spread is, but sign yeah. me up for some of that. Yeah. Imagine it's, it's a play. Spread. Is that a, like a new uh, G, uh, 5G network? Spread. Spread, right. Um. Yeah, so here are some things you can ask them to do. Write a story or in a journal. Count money. That's a thing you can ask people to do. Not, <laughs> not change, though. We, we, no, are, no. we have a change shortage. Change shortage, at least according to Home Depot. Yes. Um, stretch or do yoga. Build a fort and tell stories in it. That's a thing. You should definitely do that with your high school kids. Build a pillow fort and then crawl yes. inside with them and tell stories. That's what you wanted to do at the end of the day on Monday. Build a pillow fort and crawl in, right? Gardening. Yeah, I did want to build a pillow fort and crawl in. Invent yes. something. <laughs> is that <laughs> on the list? Yeah, oh, there it list. is. Wow, that's nice. Invent that's something. great. Yes. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, get out there, kids, and invent something. Like, so, cure for COVID. I don't, I don't think it's our intention to mock this direct, directive, but I think it... Yeah. I don't know um, if it's not our intention or if it's just an accidental you know, outcome of our cynicism, but okay. in our personalities, you know, this is yeah. something we do. Um, but, but I think that it's, I think the recommendations, having recommendations, I think is important. I would, I would appreciate if they were a little bit more empirically based. Um, mm. I think we have a lot of, you know, there's, but this goes back to just like we said that, you know, the, the law kind of lags behind technology. I think mm -hmm. research lags behind technology too. So we have For technology sure. that gets out the door and being used until we, you know, like, oh, I can't tell you, like Class Dojo. Um, not to, I, I'm, I know there's lots oh. of, there may be some Class Dojo. Hold Dude, on, let's, I'm, let's I'm be gonna careful. I'm going to have to send you some uh, articles about Class Dojo, uh, man. Wait for a second. I'm, I just want to make sure there are some people who love the Class Dojo. Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not myself in that camp, but, um, but I think that, you know, that was one of those technologies that came out and just like, 
and people were using it in mass. And I think that in its initial inception, uh, it afforded a certain level of behaviorist instruction that I think control. Would, let's call it what it is. It was uh, not instruction. It was control. So okay. You, yeah. Okay. Uh, I, all right. I know. I, I think we're in the same camp here. You I know, know we are. I'm just it's, trying uh, to like, I, I'm just trying to avoid the angry emails that we'll get from some parents or some, some teachers okay. are like class dojo saved my kid's life, you know, class dojo, you know, uh-huh. It made me lunch and dinner. I don't know. It's yeah, like, it's right. the best, it's the best thing ever. But we, there are some folks who are like really solidly, but I think that it's one of those things where, you know, just like the law is I'm putting that on the list, by the way, I'm putting that on the list. Class What's, dojo. We're going to have, we're going to have a real throwdown about. Oh, uh, well, I'm not saying have, you're going to be on the opposite side. I'm saying uh, we, we're going to have it. No, no, put it on the list. Um, but I think that what we find is that technology, the, the innovation, Innovation leads law and research. And so we, we're constantly playing catch up to mm-hmm. say, what are the best ways to do this? What are the best ways to, to use this? And what are the legal ways to do this too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what's, like what does the law say about doing a Zoom session? What, does the, the, what, what are the best practices? Not just best practices from like, sort of like anecdotal you know, communications. Oh, I did this and it worked. But like, what does the evidence you know, what does the research base say? And we're going to be a waste by, away before we actually have that data too. Um, best practices on the list too. Yes. It's going to be another throwdown. Oh, it's going to be a throwdown, the best practices. Yeah, sorry. But, no, it's all good. But, it's all good. But I think the other thing that, um, so, so to be the little dark storm cloud here a little bit, um, I think one of the other things about technology, especially educational technologies, is, and Class Dojo for me is a classic example of this, is um, that these innovative technologies, and I'm going to use the same air quotes you use, so these innovative technologies are often built on fundamentally ancient models of learning. Sure. Right? And so I think that that problematic is not, and, and I think in environments like we have now where we have to pivot very quickly into these new instructional environments and use technology to support them, I think we end up with situations where we default to the lowest common denominator and the worst possible models of learning because, because lots of reasons. But I think part of the fundamental problem is that people don't actually understand how learning works. And as a result, people who have power to build tools about learning and in theory to support learning, use particular models that are outdated, that are, that are inequitable, that are arguably dangerous and counterproductive, um, but, but, they, but they are supported because in, they are being put out into a community where almost nobody else understands learning very well either. And so everyone's like, yeah, Class Dojo saved my kid, right? And um, so I think, I think that's the dark side of technology and education that, that I also like, think is worth pointing out. Well, I think it's the dark side of education and it's the darker side of educational technology, right? Mm-hmm. It's that, but I, I'll, I'll take a less cynical approach and that's, that's really odd for me to be the one taking the yeah. less cynical approach because I, I'm naturally a little bit more I skeptical. I, I, me? I, yeah, well, I maybe so. not, but I, I'll say this, um, that 
in their defense, these folks who are, who are developing these things, I think what they're doing is not necessarily saying, okay, I'm gonna, we're going to use outdated you know, ways of understanding uh, about learning. Oh, sure, right? of course not. What they're, what they're focused on is solving problems. And so they say, identify a problem. And if they can come up with an app or a technology or something to solve a problem from some perspective, right? And I think that's probably if we were to get the class dojo people on here, they're like, okay, well, how can we, you know, help students behave in classes or how do we help them stay sustain their focus or their motivation or and that's yeah. the problem as they situated it right they they've situated the problem from that perspective which leads to a certain yeah okay so so let's I, let's put a pin in this because we we'll, don't disagree with you i think that's the how they frame the problem is, right is that because they frame the problem i mean you know, if we want to call it brass tacks, like this, this circles back to these bigger issues that have come up a couple of times. Like if we talk about privilege and, and, Absolutely. Um, and racism and sexism and all of the things that are baked into, like these assumptions are baked into these questions, like sure. control, like how do we get kids to be, to be in control in our classrooms? Well, who are the kids who are most usually out of control in our classrooms, right? right? Yeah, it's a, it's an so, interpretation. Control is an interpretation. Like, like someone who's out of control. Yeah. Class, Someone who I mean, is perceived to be out of control. Is, right. Classroom management. Classroom I, management is a euphemism for control, right? Like there's is. no other way to yeah. say the purpose of what I'm trying to do is get my kids under control. And you hear, you hear teachers and administrators talk about that all the time. Right. So when you build an app whose purpose is control and that is built on questions and assumptions and models that are racist or sexist or ableist or whatever, and then you say, hey, I was just trying to solve a problem, man. Like, I'm sure. just trying to help the people right. out. It's like, well, what you're actually doing is reinforcing the worst parts of the way that schools operate and continually marginalizing and, and using technology to accelerate the marginalization of certain groups of kids. Like, I think that's a, that for me is a scary thing. Well, I think it comes back to the, predominantly the people who are developing these things are white men, right? Like, like you and I, right? But, but yeah. they're the ones who they're looking at the problem from their perspective and they're saying, okay, this is, this is a solution. This is how we're solving the problem, but they don't realize the inherent bias that they bring to the problem because if they had a more diverse team, if they had more diverse people working in their group, they could, you know, sort of broaden the perspectives and get other voices in the room. Now coming back to you got to be in the room. Got to be in the room. Right. Got to be in the room. Well, the room where it happens. I mean, yep. the the uh, right. But the thing is, in these cases, like with Class Dojo and all these educational technologies, the person that's almost never in the room is somebody like you or me, right? Somebody who actually understands learning and learning right. theory and understands the way that kids genuinely learn. And and in the same way, we had this conversation. We talked about the book that we were working on about learning spaces, like the same thing. We we talk about designing learning spaces, and more often than not, the people that are in the room are not people whose background is learning. Right? It may be architecture, it may sure. be interior design, it may be office of physical plant, it may be instructors of particular disciplinary areas. Right? You might pull people in and say, "Yeah, let's get some anthropology faculty and some chemistry faculty," but you know the when we make educational decisions about spaces or products or technologies, and they're not informed by contemporary notions of how kids learn, we are doing serious damage. And I think 
there's, you know, all those other stuff, all those other things are built into it too. And I agree with you, like the white man being the predominant um, mode of technology developers, that's a problem. But the white man who has a 1930s view of how teaching works. Yeah, it's, it's dangerous. It's Dude. dangerous. Yeah. So we're, wow, we're, we're ending, we're ending on a happy note today. Woo. Happy note. All right. Solving well, we got, all the we, problems we like right a, here. We are solving all the problems, Scott. Right. Well, we yes. have to, now we have to do a speed round for things we love because we got like no time left. So right. No time at all. Okay. Your, I got I got to, I got to speed one. Uh, the, there's a movie on Netflix, probably be out for a couple of weeks by the time this comes out, is uh, The Old Guard. Have you seen this? Oh, you stole mine. Oh, is that yours too? I yeah. will say that. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I, I'll recommend this. Um, if you're going to watch the movie or if you have already watched the movie, check out the graphic novel. It is yeah. awesome. It is awesome. Yeah. It is. And it's slightly different. Uh, the main characters are the same. Uh, the storyline's a little different. Um, so yeah. if you uh, check out like, uh, I don't know, your local library probably has Hoopla uh, as an app that you can read digitally. You could probably just download it. Check it out because the graphic novel is as awesome as, I read the graphic novel before I saw the movie. Actually, I just read it because it came up as a recommendation. And then a week mm -hmm. or two later, I was like, oh my gosh, they made a movie out of this. And, and so yeah. I was anxious to see the movie when it came out. Uh, but they, they do the movie absolute justice, but the graphic novel is still pretty solid. So yeah, definitely check so it Greg, out. So Greg Runka, yeah, I bought the graphic novel like two or three years ago when I was still buying comic books. And sure. then I, I just saw in Netflix this come up and it was like, oh my God, the old guard, they made a movie out of that? And uh, just just to widely recommend all of his stuff, Greg, Greg Runka, I think that's the right name, is um, he also has a series called Lazarus that's really good. So the graphic novels, there's a lot of good ones, but yeah, the old guard, and, and I watched it with my wife and one of my daughters and everybody was like hundred percent thumbs up. Yeah. My, my kids are tired of me recommending it to people. They're like, yeah. dad, come on the old guard. Cause I, I like, like you, I had read the book before I even knew that there was a movie coming out. And when I saw it, I was like, and I watched it by myself. Cause I'm, you know, sometimes pretty skeptical, mm. especially w with a, a book that I really enjoy, like, or a series I really enjoy. And I was, I really enjoyed the old guard and, you know, it sets it up, which doesn't come up in the book, but definitely sets up for a sequel of which there, the, the book, movie the, did, sure. Yeah, yeah. The movie sets up for a sequel of which there is a second um, book coming out like this fall. Yeah. So right. in September, um, yeah, I in assume September. because they made the movie, my guess is I'm being cynical now, but my guess is he made this follow up to old guard because, um, because they were in production of the movie and they're like, Hey, we want to write a sequel and, but we'll see. Well, there was that. There was a character that shows up in early in the book that they yeah. definitely expand upon. But I would say that, like the end of the book, is very similar, you know, to the end of the movie. Um, we're getting lost in the uh, yeah, yeah. And I gotta go, unfortunately. But so, yeah, there's a yeah, there's a big, there is a significant change that is made in the movie that is not in the book. Absolutely. Um, and that makes a huge difference to how part two is going to play out. So it'll be absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. But this, it's a great change. It's a great change. We're like all talking in code. Yeah. Look at us. No, spoilers, go read, the, go, no read the book, then see the yes. movie. Old guard. That's a recommendation. And uh, this is uh, Scott and Ollie. Science and in between. See you in between. See you in between. That's in our, between. that's our, see, yeah. it, see you in between. All right. That's our signature sign off. Absolutely. All right. Have all a right. good week. You too. Bye now.